Hello everyone and welcome back to the Scouting God Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to try to read all the merit badge books that Scouting has to offer. In this episode, we are going to be reading Citizenship in the World. And this is part 2, so if you're following along, we're on page 33. Now, let's begin. Foreign Policy Foreign Policy includes all the positions and actions a a nation takes in its relationships with the rest of the world. It, ex- it exists to protect and promote the national interests. The community of foreign policies from year to year reserves a nation's, a nation's allies and wins democ- domestic support. Yet, a nation must be creative in response to threats and opportunities. For example, after the September 2011-2001 bombing of the World Trade Center in the New York City, the U.S. government created the Department of Homeland Security, a new executive cabinet position. Self-sufficiency, independence, and interdependence. Nations establish foreign policy based on their beliefs about whether they can survive on their own or need the help of other nations. Governments and po- policymakers use one or a combination of approaches. Isolationism. A nation turns towards refusing to get involved with affairs of the rest of the world. Unilateralism. A nation makes one-sided decisions relating on its own sources and capabilities in pursuits of foreign policy objectives. But balaturism or malnaturalism. A nation accordance deliberate activities with two or more countries to achieve certain objects objective, such as disarmament, reduction of weapons. National interest is never static. Foreign policy shifts in response to changes on domestic and international fronts. Citizens live under an authoritarian government, have little say about relations with other nations, but in a pluralistic effort to inform themselves about global issues risking, let special interest groups speak for them. The World Order of Nations You know there is a huge difference between needing something and wanting it. It is the difference between poking in the dirt for a carrot to eat and ordering a hot fudge sundae with a cherry on top. It is the difference between just enough or not enough and plenty, between survival and prosperity. That is the kind of difference between most people living in Bangladesh and those in the United States. A nation's economic worldview has everything to do with its position in in the other world order or heresy, of world economics. These economics are classified according to specific factors, standards of living, economic productivity, and growth, and use of modern information technology. A first world nation, also called an advanced industrial country, or AIC, is a modern country with top-rate industrial and technological capabilities. It plays a major role in international policies or finance, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, United States, and the United Kingdom are some of the first world nations. A second world nation is called a major developing country. It is an industrial country that is not as advanced as prosperous as a first world nation. The classification is not used often as some nations are on the verge of becoming first world nations, and others are more like third world nations, countries. Examples of second world nations include countries that were part of the former Soviet bloc, China, Mexico, and Algeria. A third world nation, also called a less developed country, is a poor country where high birth rates, poor health care, 
and lack of education contribute to a low standard of living. The economy is generally based on a combination of agriculture and low-level industry activities. Third world nations include Nicaragua, Kenya, Ethiopia, India, and Indonesia. These countries depend on foreign aid from first world nations to fund programs that help develop and improve upon education and technology. A fourth world nation is on the bottom of the economic hierarchy. People live in extreme poverty. The Argentine agricultural economy is based on subsistence farming, which means that the crops and dairy products provide the minimum amount of food necessary to support the farm family, with no surplus left to trade. The fourth world nations are Bangladesh and Asia, and countries in the famine belt across the middle of Africa. Third world nations that have been raved by war, like Afghanistan and Monskambuki, can slip into this category. People all around the world have the same basic needs in terms of food, shelter, safety, and health. Once these needs are met, the lifestyles of people around the world start to look alike. In the fourth world and some in the third world countries, people use bicycles and motorbikes to get around. There are few paved roads. As income per person rises, the customer demands for automobile rides. The necessities of the country of modern highways which ultimately leads to the development of rail transportation systems and an infrastructure to support the growth of major urban areas. At this point, customers depend on it is more about wanting than needing products. A nation has achieved a level of prosperity. Movements up the ladder of dev development depends on the government and its ability to write policies, institutions, and infrastructure in place in the right time. If the government keeps its tight control on currency, banking, and communications, it's higher a broker to grow and the economy will st stagnate. However, if the government is open to participate in the global economy, then nations can prosper. Economic activities around the world. A nation's place in the world order relates to the kinds of activities that are the foundation of its economy. These economic activities are classified into three sectors. Primary sector. This first level of economic activities is based on extracting raw materials from earth surface. Primary sector industries include agricultural, forestry, fishing, and mining. The majority of people working in third world countries are involved in these labor-intensive activities. Secondary sector. Activities in this sector involve industries that transform raw materials into finished goods, manufacturing, and con construction. Testerary sector. Industries in this sector include intangibles, also known as services. These include customer-oriented services such as real trade, banking, and investment services, healthcare, communications, transportation, and nonprofit organizations. Most of the economic activities in first world countries occur in the trajectory sector. If you follow a lifestyle of a product, you will see that it moves throughout the sectors in sequence. For example, workers in the primary sector cut down trees in the second sector, the timber is turned into lumber in a mill, and then used to build houses. In the tertiary sector, various service spins off from the home, construction industry, real estate practices, mortgage companies, insurance agencies, furniture and home improvement stores, as well as landscape and carpet cleaning businesses. A nation's economy is like a product. Over time, it becomes 
that over time it moves through the sequence of economic activities. Depending on its foreign policy and other factors, the nation might develop from a source of raw materials and manpower to provider of services, from a third world country to a first world country. Today, most countries' economics depend on a combination of two or more sectors. Geography, Natural Resources, and Climate If you asked several real estate agents to name up the top three factors to consider when buying a house, they probably will all say location, location, location. That means place matters. That's true for countries too. Where a country is located makes a huge difference in whether it will prosper or struggle. Where people settle. As people give up their nomadic lifestyles of hunting and gathering, many settle down to farm along fertile strips of land in coastal areas and on floodplains near rivers. The yields of their crops depended on a favorable climate. Farmers on temperate climates, moderate temperatures and rainfall, had a better chance of producing abundant crops than farmers in other climate regions. That's true today, too. Latitude, elevation, ocean currents, bodies of water, mountains, and winds all impact the climate of different populations and economics worldwide. Earthquakes, volcanoes, hurricanes, tornadoes, torrential rains, and droughts cause deaths. Environmental damage, food shortages, and even civil unrest. As the real estate agents will tell you, location matters. Natural resources. What is above and what is under the surface of a country make a difference in how well the people there live. Nations depends on energy and materials accepted from the environment. These natural resources are the basis elements of econ economies. If a country has abundant and available resources, then it can use them to meet populations' essential needs and take the surplus to market for cash. Natural resources are categorized as exusable sources of energy, sun, tides, water, wind. They are continuously generated. Their production cannot be reduced or exhausted by mismanagement. Renewable resources, crop, freshwater, for Forests, soil. These resources are renewed or regenerated by either environmental processes or biological reproduction. Climate and terrain, the physical features of the land, affect their abundance or secrecy. Along with, although these resources can be replaced, they can also be depleted, used up, or destroyed by mismanagement. Non-renewable resources, fossil fuels, coal, petroleum, natural gas, Industrial materials, sand, limestone, salt, sulfur, sulfate, land metals, ores. These are materials that cannot be replenished. It is possible to recycle metal resources such as iron and copper. However, coal, oil, and natural gas, such as which supply 80% of the world's energy, are completely consumed when used. Because of the importance of these resources, nations from form strategies strategic alliances to use and protect them. The quality and quantity of, of natural resources are unevenly distributed around the world. Those countries with abundant resources means to use them, like in the United States and Canada have thrived. Most poor countries have scarce natural resources and lack the means to use what they do have. Place to place. If a country tends to trade or sell its surplus resources, it must be able to get them to market. Many developing nations are located in the tropical regions of the world. Foods such as rice, fruits, and vegetables can be grown there. 
but the dense forest growth and heavy rainfall make it hard to build and maintain roads needed to move the products to market. So, people in these countries rely on water transport and live near the banks of navigable rivers. Those nations that are most successful with trading other countries have long coastlines with deep water ports and protected harbors. Yet Russia, despite its long coastline, has no ice-free ports in the winter, so it has problems with shipping freight. Some of the poorest countries in the world are landlocked. Switzerland and Austria, however, have managed to become first world nations despite being landlocked. Africa has 15 landlocked nations. Without direct access to the oceans, these countries lack fishing and shipping opportunities and are at serious disadvantage compared to coastline countries. They depend on being allowed to ship their products on roads or rivers that cross natural borders. In Africa, civil wars and famines occur often and rebels illegally sized shipments. In order for those third world nations to develop economically, they must find ways to cooperate. Populations and Problems Population growth is not a local problem unique to a particular country, but a global issue that has to be tackled by all nations. It cannot be addressed on its own, but must be considered in terms of global poverty, health edu and education, economic development, and environmental damage that requires coordinated efforts in the global community. Almost three-quarters of the world population lives in third-world nations. More than 80% of the population increase is taking place in less developed countries. Population growth from births and migration of refugees puts pressures on land resources, resulting in food shortages crisis. There is a limit on Earth's carrying capacity or ability to support the world's population. Yet many people think that because resources like air and water are owned in common, they do not have make special efforts to protect and conserve those resources. More than 200 of the world's river basins are shared by two or more countries. So one toxic waste dumping may contaminate the water used by other countries downstream. Air population caused by chemical spills and nuclear disasters, such as those in Bahopol, India, and Charbonnel, Ukraine, affected humans' lives, trade, agriculture, and industry throughout the world. The main way to achieve sustainable development is through resource management. This approach develops decisions about which natural resources should and should not be developed, how much and in what way to develop them, and for whom. These decisions are influenced by economic, political, and cultural concerns. The growth of the world's population and the health of the world's environment affects us all. No nation can afford to ignore these problems beyond its borders. The depletion, or a tight to control of natural resources, calls for co cooperative efforts to manage those resources responsibly and five new sources of energy. Global population requires collective environmental protection maneuver measures. Ask yourself how you can contribute to the welfare of the planet and its people. The world will feel like a much smaller place. International Trade and Commerce Regardless of how a nation might choose to isolate itself from the world events, it is not entirely self-sufficient. No nation economy can produce all the goods and services that its citizens demand, so it must exchange resources and products with other countries. This exchange among nations is called by various terms, international trade, global trade, foreign trade, and international commerce. 
economic systems, and ideologies. Every nation must make decisions about what goods to produce and in what quality, how to make these products, what to charge, and where to distribute them. Production may be for sustenance or for its exchange. It may be organized for welfare or for profits. Different economic, economic systems address these issues in different ways, according to the government involvement. Capitalism. Capitalism is a market-based economy system, which means that the decisions mentioned above are made in the marketplace through the law of supply and demand. This system is also called a free enterprise, private enterprise, or free market economy. It has the following characteristics. 1. Private or corporate ownership. 2. Investments determined by private decision instead of by state control. 3. Individual initiative. 4. Profit. 5. Competition. In a free enterprise system, the entrepreneur drives the economy. Any individual has the right to start and run his or own business, as well as the rights to close it. Because the entrepreneur is the only one who organizes, manages, invests, and takes the financial risk of the business, that person also is entitled to benefit from any of the profits. Competition is a key feature of free enterprise systems. When a number of companies offer the same product or services, they have to compete for customers. The customer wants to buy the product with the best quality and lowest price. If companies want more sales, they have to keep quality price. If companies want more sales, they have to keep quality high and prices low. In order to do both, companies have to find the most efficient way to produce the products or services so that they can still relieve profits. Capitalism lets customers, entrepreneurs, and workers make free choices. Buyers choose what products they want to buy and what services they want to use. Entrepreneurs choose what type of businesses they wish to own, and workers choose to stay, switch, or quit jobs. The basis of the U.S. economy is free market, but the government does not regulate certain economic activities in order to protect the public. Pure food and drug laws, anti-pollution standards, and subsidies government payments to farmers to grow particular crops and examples of such regulations. The government also promotes private enterprises by building an infrastructure to support businesses, granting money for scientific research, and developing foreign markets. This economic system in which the private sector, individuals, and companies produces goods and services to the public sector, government, regulates and promotes businesses is called mixed economy. In the United States, the government actually owns and operates some of the services that could be provided by the private sector. For example, Amtrak, the passenger train services, and Medicare, the federal health care insurance program, is, are run by the government. Socialism Socialism is an economic and political system based on the idea that all citizens should be economically and politically equal. Unlike the United States, where citizens are all equal under law, but unequal in terms of personal wealth. Social socialist nations try to distribute wealth equally and fairly among all citizens. They accomplish this through collective, public, ownership of the principal means of producing and distributing goods and services and centralized planning. Under strict socialism, the government owns and operates all businesses and controls all aspects of social welfare and planning. In many socialist countries, the government controls the large industries that affect all citizens, such as transportation, utilities, and communications. 
In other socialist societies, the government allows many individuals to own certain businesses, yet it maintains tight control. Socialism attempts to guarantee the public welfare by providing social services for all citizens at little to no cost to the users. Those services can include employment, housing, and health care. Countries that provide these extensive services are often called welfare states. However, these services has to be funded through taxes, which may amount to as much as 50 or 60% of a person's total income. Government bureaucrats make all the decisions about how a socialist economy will develop over time. They determine products, goals, and direct investments into specific industries. This type of economy, in which the government controls the factors of production and distribution, is called centrally planned or command economy. Many countries, such as Sweden and Great Britain, are democratic socialist nations. They combine a free market economy with socialism. These, like most modern countries, are mixed economies. The systems of capitalism and socialism has pros and cons. Capitalism encourages the individual to assume risks, take advantages of new technologies, and decide how to raise used personal home income. However, many people still lack the means to access services like good health care. Under socialism, most citizens have their basic needs met and also have some influences on where they work. Yet, with the high taxes on their earnings, they have little discretionary income and can make few decisions about how to spend their money. Critics of socialism argue that with so many public services provided, that individual has little incentive to work hard. Communism. In the mid-1800s, Karl Marx developed a social, political, and economy theory in reaction to capitalism. He believed that throughout history, social classes have struggled for control of labor and production. He thought that business owners who oppressed the workers and predicted that the laborers, masses, would revolt and overthrow the capitals after a transitional phase under authoritarian control, a free classless society un- phase under authoritarian control, free classless society would emerge and these people in common would all the property tax. Marx and Friedrich Engels defined the concepts of this multi- Fashioned theory, the Commist Mendicifesto. Karl Marx is the father of modern confessionism. Many of his followers believe that socialism, collective ownership, and early stage of communism could be achieved peacefully through democratic processes. But Marx called for a violent and bloody revolution. If necessary, those who agreed with Marx became known as communists. In 1917, a communist revolution in Russia led to the creation of the Soviet Union and then the spread of communism in the Eastern Europe and China after World War II. In the late 1980s, communism collapsed in Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union as people railed for greater freedom of thought and economic co- opportunity. Today, Cuba and North Korea are two of the few remaining communist nations, political party in Vietnam and the People's Republic of China. These centrally planned economics are controlling elements of the free market. Developing countries with no experience to building large industries and infrastructure tend to rely on centrally planned economies. However, governments focused on investing in new industries or producing specific goods may neglect the production of food or certain customer goods. 
At this point, the citizens may become resentful and unruly. Political instability invites authorization control. In order to attract foreign investments, countries must create a predictable environment that resources the entrepreneurs and foreign governments. A good investment climate offers access to markets, stable government, and transparency. Developing nations under authorization control are not transparent, so investors are reluctant to sink capital into products that could be naturalized. Thank you for listening to part two of the Citizenships in the World Merit Badge book reading.